Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. July 25th, 2019, and Gino Bacolic here on the Mike Abadir Show. And next to me, like always, the main man, Mike Abadir. Mike, it feels to me right now like it's finally really baseball season. You know, there's sports that always generally kind of cross over. And for some sports, like sometimes for basketball, it's like Christmas, then kind of basketball starts or right after football, basketball starts, you know, college basketball is during that March month. I feel like right now, middle of end of July, now with the trade deadline, just less than a week away, it really feels like, okay, this is the baseball season now with just two months plus left. I think there's a lot of intensity right now Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of very, very critical decisions that need to be made. And there's not a lot of time left to be able to evaluate your team to decide are we going for it or not? But yeah, you make a you make a some a couple of very good points there, and you know this is the time of year where yeah it's it, we're in full gear full baseball mode because now injuries start trickling in, you know big ones too you know like for the Yankees you know they've been pretty consistent and hot most of the year, um, but then they lose one of their big bats in Gary Sanchez, you know just when you thought that. They're going to start sort of being healthy. And you're seeing that kind of from club to club. Very few exceptions to that. And obviously the teams that are the deepest are able to kind of withstand some of those injuries. Dodgers, we talk about them a lot here, but they just continue to impress. Even though, you know, they they went into the all-star break kind of on a mini little slump. And, um, you know, they're they're going to struggle against their rival. they might just be bored, man. Yeah, it's it's you're, everyone's going to go through like a lull, you know, and what ends up happening is that you play so well for a while that even when you win games sometimes ugly, you still feel like you lose. And it's, so I, I've tried really hard this year to not get too ahead of ahead of myself because I just don't want to like as a fan, we take things for granted. Like perfect example, you know, I as a Dodger fan, rooting I was kind of in a similar situation as you are as a Boston fan this year and even I think even a little more because that Dodger team last year really wasn't even very good like the Red Sox team is still pretty good they're just kind of chasing some teams that have had better years they're not a bad baseball team but for a while last year the Dodgers were kind of a bad baseball team and they were just able to sneak in towards the end and so the whole year you're kind of disappointed disappointed it really wasn't fun all the way through because there was like pressure this year I've been trying to to kind of be the opposite, just enjoy, you know, the comebacks, the the walk-offs, the uh, all the the different players contributing, the the rise of Cody Bellinger, seeing the great starting pitching. I'm I'm trying to enjoy it, you know, and and every time I hear a little gripe, I look up and there's still 14, 15 games up in the division, you know, so it's yeah. uh, it's not well, too frustrating. Well, you know what's really interesting about what you just said is that you know for some of the listeners out there that maybe aren't Dodgers fans or maybe they're Dodger haters or maybe they don't follow the team that closely and they say, well, wait a second, Gino, how are you saying that last year's team wasn't that good, but this year's is really good when they have virtually the same roster minus Manny Machado? And I think one of the answers to that is, from my perspective. Their approach to hitting is very Boston-esque, and it's It's very different different than last year. The patience 
for like guys like Bellinger. Well, even Jock, it's you've amazing. Seen, or Jock, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. seen like you've seen adjustments. That's that's yes. why deeper into counts. 100%. They're they're just better hitters. They're so they're maybe before to... they were sluggers. You know, Jock Peterson just a home run hitter. Muncie just a slug. They've all become much better hitters, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially even like guys like Jock, who typically aren't like big batting average guys. Maybe even Muncie, because he's come onto the scene kind of you know late bloomer. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some of those guys start hitting for better and better averages yep. as the years go on. And 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 the most the best comp I think would be like uh, Justin Turner, you mm-hmm. know, a guy who was really a kind of a non-factor with the New York Mets, he was a and now player. he's a batting title contender year in mm-hmm. year out. And I could it's sort of see that for Muncie. I could see him 100%. being a 300, 315 hitter year very, in year out. They're very steady. They don't get too high yes. or too low. Yes. And you can tell they take what, like Justin Turner is a perfect example that really like takes what he's given because it's been like four years in a row, five years in a row now where he doesn't even hit a home run through like April and yep. into May. He doesn't even hit one, like any. None. He literally just feels the game out. He go. He takes whatever he's getting. And I don't view him as a home run hitter. I no, view him as a really good, not at all. See, like a good line drive hitter, like Wade Boggs or Tony Gwynn. You'll see them occasionally pop 20, 25 home runs. They're not necessarily going for home runs. And if, and, and I remember Wade Boggs one year said, "If you want me to hit home runs, I will." That was actually the year. Like he had Ichiro, they used to say, you know, Ichiro, Ichiro in, yeah. in batting practice, they can bat like two eighty yeah. and and hit twenty five, thirty bombs easily. But that's not their game. No, and. And so it's it's a fun a fun team to watch this year. It's a fun team to root for this year. You know who I am finally getting a little bit excited about, Mike, a team that we were very high on to start the Lewis. season. They've won five in a row. The Cardinals, yep. they lost their first game after the All-Star break to go to under 500. Since then, they are 11-2. and two. And this was a real crucial part of their schedule because if you looked at the first like 20 or so games that they had, um, you know, 15 to 20 games, the, these games that they just had, they played Arizona, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh, all very winnable games. They won all those series. They did exactly what they needed to do. They kind of beat up on the teams that they were better than, and they put themselves right back in the mix now. So now they have a really, really tough, like week and a half coming up where they play the Astros, then a huge three game series with the Cubs. Then they play a couple games with the Oakland A's, a very good baseball team, and then they play the Dodgers for three. If they can get through that and just go 500, or man, if you can imagine sweep, take two out of three from the Cubs or sweep that series, they're they're deadlocked right now with the Chicago Cubs. They're tied for the division lead. Yeah, fantastic road series uh, sweep of their uh, you know rival Pittsburgh Pirates puts them in a uh, not just a virtual, an exact deadlock for first place with the Chicago Cubs. Each is uh, at a 539 winning percentage, which isn't fantastic, but in a very competitive division where they're going to beat up on each other, that's good enough for first, and the Brewers are right around the corner there. So it should be a three-horse race, um, you know, I would say going you know, to the finish line. But, man, I'll tell you this much. The Cardinals have an opportunity right now where if they can kind of stomp on some of these opponents, like you're talking about during this stretch, they may be able to get a little bit of separation. You're starting to see now Goldschmidt starting to hit home runs. Yep. They've got this rookie that I absolutely love named Tommy Edmond. This guy's got power. He's got speed. He's just uh, – he's one of those guys. I think he's going to be a perennial all-star. Didn't come into the season with a lot of fanfare, but he's been hitting like crazy. And they've, they finally now have a uh, table setter because Colton Wong's a little bit inconsistent. 
Well, and you know, and the, the guy that they uh, that went to the Rays, Tommy Pham. Each of these guys was supposed to be kind of that leadoff type hitter with speed and some power, but I don't think either of them really had a good enough eye or could go deep into the count. And if they were, you know, if they got to two strikes, which you, you're supposed to be able to get to as a leadoff hitter and still have some success getting on base, they didn't. This may be their guy. And I think if they have that table setter at the top, man, watch out, man. I think Goldschmidt will will find a way to get his 100 RBIs after a uh, really sluggish middle part of the season. There's so many good players on this team that were all having below average years at the same time. And sometimes that just happens. But most of the time veteran proven players like Goldschmidt, like Carpenter, who's had a horrendous year. Yeah. Uh, Ozuna has been just okay. You know, he hasn't had, none, nobody's had a great year. And even their pitchers who we thought their pitching staff was going to be their strength. You know, you and I both discussed different pitchers in their pitching staff as our Cy Young, like some of our Cy Young candidates when we did the preseason Yep. You know, discussion. And, you know, a guy like Flaherty, who was right there in the, with Bueller last year, he just hasn't taken another step. And what's scary about this Cardinals team now is that now they don't need any of these guys to have a great year now. All they need them is to have a pretty good second half or third, last third of the season now. They just you know, have I'm going to tell you something. You know, you know who their best pitcher is? He's not even starting anymore. It's Carlos Martinez and back yeah. into the bullpen, yeah. their current closer. Now, if you look at his if his numbers there, you know, he's had some games where he's, you know, given up a couple runs and he's had a kind of a little rough stretch when it comes to giving up some runs and, and, uh, you know, he'll get in with like a five to three game and it'll end five, four with runners on first and second, you know, he'll get that double play ball to get out of it. The, his stuff is just so good. I think he's just finding his way back after being injured for a while. Mm -hmm. Look out, man, this guy, if you could get the ball to him, by the time it gets to October, I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to beat the Cardinals in, in a series if they get good pitching, starting pitching. Like you said, Flaherty and Mikados and, and, and some of these guys that came out of nowhere last year to have some really good seasons. They haven't been able to repeat that performance, but they're so is, starting to get a little bit better of a starting pitching. Unlike the Yankees, by the way, who are still winning, but are getting really bad starting pitching. So we... Uh we have a big uh, Yankees Red Sox series coming up, and it's it's funny when we check in every every week. It seems like the Red Sox are one of the team, one of the more like volatile teams that we of all of all baseballs. Like every week we check in, and things have gone different in a week or two. This this week might have been one of the more quiet weeks. They're kind of where was right where they were when we discussed them about a week ago. So, what are your feelings? Because this is a, a would be a really big series, not as far as trying to win the division and beat the Yankees in particular, but you don't want to start getting too far behind too many teams. And I still feel like right now, Boston of all of the teams trying to, to make a wild card has the most talent is the best. And I still think they're going to be there, but you don't want to lose three out of four here. And then all of a sudden, you know, you give away a couple of those games you just took away from Tampa. You're still behind Oakland. And now maybe the Angels start creeping up. They're behind. You know, they're playing some good baseball. They're not too far behind. They're kind of playing maybe with a little bit of a, um, you know, with with like a purpose kind of playing for Skaggs. It feels sure. like almost right now. You know, they might be one of those teams that's like got a little destiny on their shoulders. So what do you, where are you feeling right now as a, as a Red Sox fan? Well, and this is a good good segue too, because we we're gonna you know spend a little bit of time talking about you know if we were the general manager of this team or that team, you know Buying what moves do you make and that type of stuff? Are you buyers or your sellers? 
to me, I think the litmus test is always, okay, let's just say we get that one guy or the two guys or a bullpen uh, help or whatever the case may be, and we get to the postseason. Once we get there, do we have the team that's capable of winning the whole tournament? With the Red Sox, we know that the answer is yes. yes. So that's always going to keep them in in the the the. It's a very good point. Buyers lane, if you want to call it that. But here's the thing, because the Red Sox over the last few years, uh, because they're, they're typically contenders, right? Most of the time, you know, teams like the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, you know, they're they're going to be contenders. You know, the Red Sox, unlike those other two teams I mentioned, their farm system isn't as strong as say the yes, Dodgers. You're right. So. Um, what my concern would be, don't, you know, don't, uh, it's hard to replenish a minor league system. Mm-hmm. So don't go give away the farm to get right that now, one guy. And like we talked reliever, about last week or the week before, yeah, especially when it comes to like middle, a reliever, middle starting closer. pitcher, like someone yeah. that's just for a year, not a rental. Maybe I would almost rather for- see them not go for it and if they want to get some kind of like utility man on sure. the cheap or something like that, that's just fine. Don't I'd rather a see lot them. Away. Yeah, go for it with what you got because when you look at the contenders, you know, from a couple weeks ago, the Rangers are right there. They're pretty much fizzled out. They're yep. one and nine in the last 10 mm-hmm. games. They're they're not really a scary team to for the Red Sox. So who are you left with? You know, there's going to be two wild card spots. So right now, Cleveland and Oakland are occupying the Looks first like two. Looks like there's four teams battling for two for the yeah, most part. Yeah, so right now, Cleveland and Oakland are occupying the first two slots, right? So now yep. you got Tampa, Boston, and the Angels, you know, to, to try to, you, you know, bypass one of those teams well tampa just got some really bad news today with their ace starting pitcher so he's going to be out now snell for i don't know how many weeks i thought i saw six on the ticker but he's going to be out for a while so now it kind of puts you in competition really with the angels a's and indians and uh, i'd say out of those the team that i'm most bullish on is the a's i've been hot on them since the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with them so that leaves us with one slot left Interestingly enough, so, if the so Indians overtake the Twins, I'm going to make a prediction. The, twi- the Twins either will win the division or not make the playoffs. Yeah, the key the, those are two teams that when we, in the discussion of, okay, buyers or sellers, they're really interesting because the Twins, the twins have to be a buyer right now. I mean, they've waited too long. They should have been buyer on maybe Kimbrell, maybe Keuchel, even if they don't work out for their particular teams, they should have made the move right then when they had the big lead, because this was something that we had, we had seen all throughout, even someone like Odorizzi, who's been really, really good for them throughout. They don't have a track record of being this good for this long. And they're going to have some hiccups. Like Odorizzi got lit up yesterday, absolutely crushed by the Yankees. Um, So I, I'm as someone who liked the twins all year long. And I still like the twins because they still have like, what they're doing isn't necessarily fluky because they do have a very good offense still, and they do have they do produce a lot, but they they've they've needed more pitching all along because their starting pitchers and their bullpen were pitching over their head. They were pitching above what their norm was, and now they're going to be at the point where they're going to be you know shopping around and trying to have to outbid a lot of teams that are looking for the same things, Mike. I mean, honestly, like as a Dodger fan, that's the one thing where I, the the bullpen is is bad, and it's and it's not good right now. But I look at who is probably going to be in the Dodger bullpen come playoff time, and I look around at everybody else's bullpen. Like, how many teams 
legitimately right now have a really good bullpen that you'd feel confident in. Even the teams that had good bullpens in recent years didn't. Like the Brewers had a lockdown bullpen last year. You're not really scared of them anymore. It's really only Hater in their bullpen, and he can't do it all the time. And, and he's even become a little more beatable than he was in years past. The Cardinals, we thought, were going to have a great bullpen. They're okay. You know, they're they're fine. Uh Boston had a great bullpen last year. Literally all of the pieces that were big parts of their bullpen are kind of gone or have been injured. Maybe Voldy's just coming back. I, I don't. The Yankees are really the only team that you can say, wow, they have an amazing, really good bullpen that I think would be very, very tough to get, you know, to beat this team if you're yeah, down. I, down I, a I think few the runs. top four postseason bullpens are the Yankees, the Rays, the Indians, and the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. And a you couple know. of those teams aren't even going to probably get there. You know, yeah, I mean, the teams that make the play. So like a team like the Indians, they need like they have their pitching is excellent. Their starting pitching is pretty good. And their bull and their bullpen, like they have good pitching depth, but offensively, they don't have enough. They need well, another bat. You know, they need they that's what's been such a crazy discussion point about Cleveland all along is they, they want to get rid of Bauer. They want to get rid of Kluber. And they, they've they've kind of like accidentally stumbled into the to not being able to get rid of them until the end of the year. So how do you trade either one of these guys when you are a wildcard team you're, and you're legitimately in the mix to win your division? I have an idea. I want to ask you that question. If you're the general manager, what you would do with some of these uh, ball clubs, we could kind of borrow a page from PTI's uh, sure. kind of format. And, but we're, we're not going to be wearing the masks guys. Right? We'll, we'll just, uh, we'll play the role of general manager. Let's do that after the first commercial break. And we'll see which teams should be buyers and sellers, according to Gino and Mike. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Right in the middle of baseball discussion, we're going to start playing a little GM right now. So, Mike, uh, go ahead. Who, who, am I, who am I the GM of? Why, why don't you first start with, uh, we've been talking a lot about the AL Central, so let's let's kind of figure out what the Twins should do and what the Indians should do. If Gino Bacola is the general manager, how do you approach these last two months of the baseball season, in particular with the July trading deadline? If I'm the Twins, I'm going all in to trade to the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. For their closer, I need to go all in and get some major back end of the bullpen rotate uh, help. And what's nice about this, if you do this, if you're the Twins, this is a uh, a player who's under contract for not just the rest of this year, but also under contract for multiple years. So you're going to go all in, but you're going to get a legitimate, legitimate top end of the bullpen, uh, back of the bullpen type player. So I think that the Twins need to make multiple moves. They need to get a closer. And a, a good one. They don't need like a middle. Uh, Giles could be someone because he's been really good this year. I could see them going after. But I would absolutely love them um, to go closer. And th- they need one more pitcher. I think and Felipe mid- Vasquez that you mentioned, he's very, very underrated. Not a lot of people know about him. He's a lefty. In, in, in tucked away in Pittsburgh. He's fantastic. Fantastic. He's a left-handed pitcher. He has, I think, three or four different pitches too. He's not just like um, a real one-pitch fastball type. So the Dodgers are heavily interested in him, but I think you're going to have to give up a lot for him. But if you're the Twins, you have to give up a lot right now. There are not going to be... You, you don't know if you're going to be back in the situation again where you're a couple games lead. You have a couple game lead. And honestly, you have a good enough... I don't know if they could beat the Yankees and the Astros in a row, but I do think they could beat one of those one of those teams in a series. And we see how it goes in baseball. You get there... If you're in it, you have a chance. It's a crapshoot once you get there. I mean, players can get hot. Pitchers can have a couple bad games, and then, boom, a really good team goes down. I think if you're the Twins, you have to go all in right now. I'd, another, I would like to see them also have got get a starting pitcher like a, a Wheeler type. Now, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him because he's had some injury issues. But someone that's not necessarily a, a number one, but maybe someone who could start a game three for you if need be. Now, I think Wheeler's just on a 10-day DL, so he yeah. should be uh, eligible to come off pretty soon here. It worries me, though. That major, but he does kind of have the injury. Early, you know? yeah, yeah, he does kind of have the injury bug a little bit. So, okay, um, let's say uh, wear the uh, Mike Chernoff hat as the uh, general manager of the Cleveland Indians. And by the way, does he even have, like, that signature trade under his belt with the Indians yet? Since uh, I think he's been a GM since, like, 2015. I don't know if he has that signature trade that he could have a – you know, his, the stamp of approval on, uh, but yet they still have found a way to be contenders with uh, what they've been able to develop through their farm system. Yeah, I, I, this is what's difficult because they're going to have to obviously give up something to get a bat. 
I don't know how much in their farm system they have or they're willing to give up. And I, like when you look through what's available, Mike, like what bats are out there that could really make a difference? Well, let's back up. So hold on here. Are you convinced? I need a bat. Like, are you convinced that you are a buyer right now? Does I'm that mean bi- like you're not I am, selling power or any of these starting pitchers? I'm. I'm not. Let's say this. I'm at the very least. I'm not selling. Okay. I'm not selling you big on your horses. I'm not selling on any of my big pitchers. No. So I'm looking for a bat. I'm looking for a veteran bat, but I don't really know who out there would make that much of a difference. And so I'm not really going to gonna go pay that much to give one up. I'm definitely going to sit for a few more games and see the way the twins have been playing. And it, I, I'm whole, I'm standing pat at the very, very least. And, and I'm, I'm not glad to hear that you're not trading away everybody because let's face it, man. The Cleveland fan base, sports overall, you know, the Cavs, they're now, you know, what's going on over there since LeBron's gone, right? The Browns are kind of on the rise, but the Indies have probably been uh, one of the more steady teams, you know, outside of the LeBron area era. Uh, they've been very steady, really, um, since the mid-90s. They usually have fielded a pretty competitive team, but once you kind of wave the white flag and you start getting rid of those guns, who knows when they'll be back. And there's been a lot of hype for the Browns, but for right now, you could be that playoff team in that city. Don't disappoint the fans. Keep your guys. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it'd be different if they were 10 games out, but they're in the wild card right now. Okay, let's shift to the West then. You got the Astros with a you know seven and a half game leads, pretty uh, pretty cozy. But we've seen the A's reel off a bunch of wins in a row. Um, they gave the Astros a, a pretty good battle in the series that they just played head to head. I wouldn't be shocked to see that as a three game lead or four game lead going into September. So you don't want to take it for granted. But nonetheless, we're pretty confident the Astros are going to be playing in the postseason. So do you do anything to improve a nearly perfect ball club? And uh, how about you as as the Oakland A's? I think uh, the both the Astros and the A's. First, the Astros. I, I expect them to get a middle to the back of the rotation starting pitcher. I think they could use, even if it's someone that is just going to help them eat up innings for the the rest of the year. I think at the top of the rotation with Verlander and Cole, you're going to be good. But after that, even with Miley, who's had a good season, and then they've had some injuries to uh, to Peacock and McHugh. So I think they, they could use one more starter in there to help them get through the year at least. Uh, for the Oakland A's, they absolutely need a couple pieces because this is where the A's do very well. So I expect to see them, um, and if I, and I'm, I'm going to make a few moves as the A's GM, at least try to get one starting pitcher, probably two and, and and I'm talking the starting type pitchers that the A's have always tried to go get. the Maybe the pitchers who haven't had quite as good of a year. I could see them going and getting like Toronto, Stroman, or Sanchez even. Someone who teams are thinking about uh, converting into the, to the bullpen for some long relief. Uh, or, you know, maybe even like a Will Smith as someone who it would be elite but i don't know how much they'd have to give up for him so i definitely think the a uh the a's are going to make at least a few moves that's just that's just what this ball club always does they're always looking to kind of mix and match and and piece together and find the best available option makes a lot of sense and i think even if it's not a super sexy move if you're the oakland a's and you bring somebody in and you're telling your team clearly we're making a run at this thing i think that in itself just energizes the building 
they, they know that they're not going to be necessarily making a big splash. They're probably not going to go over, uh, you know, and and snag a, a Granky type pitcher and 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 give the Diamondbacks an offer that they can't refuse. It's not really the type of club that does that type of thing. So I think any move that could bolster that ball club will make a really really big difference. And on Fangraphs, they are uh, we talk about making the playoffs. Fangraphs is a website that really good. Does a lot of projections based on, you know, models, strength of schedule, all sorts of different things. They actually have the Rays and the Indians as the two teams making it. They're projecting the Rays to win uh, 90.4 in their projections, and the Red Sox are 90.3. So it's very, very tight. The Indians are projected to win 92.1. When I say point one, they do the models repeatedly, you know, so sure. it's just like slightly over 92,000 like samples yeah, or something different like different samples. Yeah. So the Indians are projected to win 92. The Twins are still projected to win that division and win 96 games. And then in the AL West, they have the, F, the A's at 88, just over 88, and the Angels at uh, just over 83. So it, it's projected to be really close between those four teams uh the the where we've just been talking about the rays the red Sox, the indians and the athletics they're all going to be separated by like three games how about the al east let's quickly run through you know the, the the big three new york tampa and boston who stays idle who makes a move and um you know who obviously none of them are going to be in in cell mode so no, and i think who stays the- idle and who makes a move Yankees have to get the one of the better starting pitchers available. I think, I think they have to go out there and do that. Their bullpen is very good. We've seen that even though they've had a lot of injuries throughout the year, they have a lot of depth in their lineup. They have a lot of moving pieces that have all performed very well this year. I think they have to go get. If Bumgarner is available, they have to get him. If it's not Bumgarner and it's maybe uh, Stroman, if it's not if if it's maybe one of the players from the Reds, if may, if it's not, maybe it's someone from the A, uh, the the Diamondbacks. If it's Granky or Robbie Ray, they have to go get someone who can help throw innings and start a game for them in the playoffs. Because I just don't think the rotation they have right now is strong enough. I don't think they could go in into a series with a uh, plan against the Astros and and not have another starting pitching ready a pitcher ready to go and or against even you know the Red Sox or even against the Twins those teams have really good lineups I think they ha- the Yankees have to make a move the Rays now they same you know how many of these teams it seems like every team that is contending they all need pitching the Yankees don't need the bullpen like the rest of these teams do the Rays could use some bullpen help we talked about the Sox they could use some bullpen help but they're not going to give up anything I don't think they even the way that you mentioned, the way that they're set up well, it's not worth them to go all in to get someone who maybe helps them get into the playoffs or or someone who's going to pitch, but f- you know, fifteen innings for them down the stretch. Yeah. So, not worth depleting what you got. Yeah. So I think they're all. I think no sellers there. I actually had read recently that the Red Sox had, you know, maybe even thought about not necessarily selling for nothing, but seeing if you could maybe upgrade getting rid of maybe a piece that won't be that's coming up free agency somewhere soon and getting something back not necessarily a you know, like a sell but maybe just a swap um, yeah there's been talks about that for uh, for kind of a while now you know guys like maybe Jackie Bradley Jr yeah. 
you know, who's who's got an okay stick. He's got a clutch stick, um, but like the overall numbers aren't going to look that fantastic over at 162. But, Mainly based on like the front office, like how you're set up moving yeah, forward. Yeah, but you his know, defense is so valuable, you know, sure. like that's one of the thing. one of the Red Sox big strengths from last year that got highly overlooked because of their bats and because they had good pitching last year was how good their defense was. Their defense really did win them a lot of ball games and kept uh, kept the team in, 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 you know, even when you're off off your game, their defense was so good that they were in every single ball game. You know, so I think that's as we mentioned. You know, you link the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, the Twins, the Indians, the Astros, and the A's are probably all looking for something. I think they're all looking for a little something. And the key teams in the American League that are going to be the sellers are, you know, the Rangers now, Mike Miner. He's someone that's been talked about a lot. They are now, you know, they've struggled. They're down, they're 500. We just found out that Joey Gallo is going to be injured now for another month. So overall, their, you know, their outlook on the season might be, okay, now we're selling. They had a lot of veteran players this year that helped their, their lineup that could go somewhere and help another team. You know, a Hunter Pensa, a Azrubal Cabrera, a Forsyth. Um, you know, someone like that could go and, and be a nice bat off the bench for any any team at all, really. Sure. No, I think that I think the Rangers, the Blue Jays, the White Sox, and the Mariners are really going to get picked apart. I think those are going to be the four teams that are going to Oh, the ti- and, and we hear a lot about the Tigers too. The, with, the Tigers as well, and with Boyd, at least those are two. Maybe even um, Castellanos, right? Maybe even uh, he might be the best bat available. Sure. Actually, and so he might be someone who they are able to get a lot. A lot more from than we would imagine because there's just not a lot of bats out there. Sure. So yeah, I think those uh, five teams, you know, definitely get picked apart. Let's uh, let's, let's shift to the NL. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about a few teams now. We will start in the NL East. Now, one team that is one of the hottest teams in baseball is the Washington Nationals. What do you do right now if you're the Washington Nationals? You. you, you you can't go into the postseason uh, with Fernando Rodney get, getting a third of your saves, can you? No. So, um, you know, I know uh, your, your man Doolittle has, has, uh, has done like a pretty decent job, but, you know, I think the bullpen is going to be the chief concern for the Nats. You know, they, they haven't gotten necessarily some of the years that they expected from the youngsters that were expect that they were hoping we're going to take a big step forward. Uh, but it seems like now, and you mentioned this last on last week's show that Trey Turner was kind of the catalyst and he has mm-hmm. been, and I think everybody else has been able to kind of elevate their games because you have that table setter at the top of the lineup. I equate guys like that to maybe like a point guard in basketball even though it's not the type of game where the ball is going from hand to hand, you know, from player to player, passing, so on and so forth, baseball is still a team game. And the table setter at the top of the lineup is going to be the guy who is going to really set up yeah, the emotional. entire game, really. Yeah, like, it's like your emotional start in your, your, yeah. your attitude. If you get a base knock and, you're on ba- and you get on right off the bat, it just, everybody's in it. Right away. Or, or, or even getting that starting pitcher, you know, after the first inning. Maybe they didn't put up any runs, but to get that starting off pitcher. five pitches. You know, uh, into like the 18 to 25 pitch count range. I mean, that's got some value to it. Maybe it's getting on base and having that pitcher throw over to first 
three, four, five times and getting him off his game and his concentration. And even that uses some arm strength. You know, there's so many different things from distractions to, you know, see, he's been the guy that uh, it's no, no coincidence that they've played their best baseball since he's come back. But I, overall, I think that, you know, even, even their, their, their catchers, you know, Suzuki has played pretty well, uh, especially at his age. They thought Jan Gomes was going to be like a big time answer coming over from Cleveland. He's got a big bat and he's been terrible sub 200. So maybe I would get another catcher. And as we've seen with some of these teams, like the poor Cincinnati Reds, you can't have enough really good catchers on you. I mean, they're now, I think they just lost one of their recent call-ups. So now they're, they're going to be on to catches four five and six, if you could believe that. But, um, Back to the Nationals. Yeah, I, I think it's all about, you know, and that's kind of been the common theme for a lot of these teams that we're talking about. It's either another starting pitcher or relievers, and that's definitely the boat that the Nationals are in. What about uh, moving on to the Braves, a team that offensively they are you know, kind of a juggernaut now, and they are as solid, I think, as any team in the league. But on the pitching staff and on the bullpen side, what do you think the Atlanta Braves need to do? Yeah, I mean it's it's both. You got to address both. Keuchel was was uh, was a nice start, but yeah, they're going to need another starting pitcher. And they, and they've got the benefit of having a couple guys in the minors that are almost there that you could kind of bring up for a start and then send back down. They've done that with Bryce Wilson and others, but that's not a formula for the postseason. That'll help get you there. But who are, who are you putting – and some people have said, you know what, the Braves are the team that matches up with the Dodgers. They're the team that can knock them off. Try to convince me of how. How are you going to line up with the big three from the Dodgers? Yeah, I'm, right? I'm, so, as a fan, I'm a lot more scared at the moment. If it was just right now, the, the Nationals are the team that would scare me. Yeah, the because they've fans. got Scherzer, right? They have three people. They have Strasburg. You know, they have three games where I feel like – they might be able to have the better pitcher on the mound. That could happen three yeah, consecutive and, and, and games. And I like that they could go righty, lefty, righty. So I sure. put Corbin in the middle, Strasburg at third, right? But you can, whichever order, I'm not going to argue you on, sure. right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the Braves don't have that. Even guys like Max Fried that were, you know, looking strong at the beginning part of the season, they've seen their ERAs float up to, you know, the, the four range. And are and, they guys uh, that you're going to trust? Yeah, they, they've kind Can of battled around them like but, that in big games. So yeah, I, and I'm, some of that's going to have to do with the weather in Atlanta too. You know, that ball the ball flies out of the yard, gets warmer, a little bit, little bit, little bit of humidity. You know, that's why they used to call Fulton County Stadium the launching pad back in the day. Uh, but once again, how are you going to win? How are you going to beat either the Nats or the Dodgers or even the Cardinals who are coming into form? Um, the only team that I could see them, um, you know, beating would be the Cubs because I don't believe in the Cubs starting pitching. And perhaps that's a good segue to get to, to them. The so what, yeah, what, what do the Cubs do? You know, although I guess the the the, the teams that aren't contenders that uh, we may, that may make a lot of noise out of that NL East, by the way, before we leave that division are the New York Mets. Um, the rumors today are that Syndergaard is Where it is gone. today, Syndergaard's gone. And I've right? heard which is kind of a, a little strange, but the Dodgers have been in some of those rumors for Syndergaard. I don't know how much they'd give up, but he is under contract for a while. He kind of seems like the type of player who's having a, a bad year that they would they would take and would end up pitching really well for them. I don't think they need another starting pitcher, but as far as if they can't get 
some top of the line bullpen help, maybe they think, you know what, we get another starter and we can just sh- shuffle around the starters that we have to strengthen the bullpen. Perhaps. And I probably spent a little bit too much time on the NL East because we're up against a commercial break. But I don't know if I'm the Dodgers. I don't know if I give up a, like a Gavin Lux or, or one of those types of guys for, no. his, for Syndergaard. As crazy as that sounds, because he's spo- him and, you know, Thor, right? I mean, him and DeGrom are supposed to be the, I mean, they were the guys that had me convinced you drinking the Kool-Aid going into this season and saying that I think the Mets are going to win the NL East. And they've been both been pretty big letdowns in, in my book. So sure. let's take a commercial break. We'll talk a little horse racing. And maybe if we've got some time, we'll talk about the big one, really, which is the San Francisco Giants. That, to me, is going to be a very fascinating next uh, seven, uh, really, what, five and a half days to go before the trade deadline. So let's take a commercial break and we will talk with a friend of the show, Andrew Champagne, about Saratoga and racing in general. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel racers and rental cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry join hosts cameron Ferre and don o'neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day it's about the business as well as the fun we've got the scoop the guests the discussion and the wtf moments all you need to do is bring your ears Racers and rental cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. We welcome in our good friend, Andrew Champagne. You can follow him on Twitter, at Andrew Champagne. And a lot of work of his, andrewchampagne.com, where he goes through race cards all the time, gives you selections, analysis, handicapper, writer, and doing the handicapping for the pink sheet again this summer. So, Andrew, you've been really focusing in on Saratoga every single day. You, you're looking at every race 
carded. What has it been like so far the first couple weeks with the early start this year? Well, the early start has its upsides and its downsides. The early start, initially, I'm thinking, wait a minute, it's early July and Saratoga starts next week. This seems weird. However, from a handicapper's perspective, the five-day week actually gives me an extra day off. So the trainer actually works in my favor after a week or two. But uh, no, it's Saratoga, so it's always special. There's a big card coming up on Saturday. Unfortunately, uh, today's card, the Thursday card, was wiped out after four races. A pop-up thunderstorm came in and apparently dumped over an inch of rain on upstate New York. It was not pretty. It did not look like a lot of fun on the simulcast feed, that's for sure, but Hopefully the weather cooperates on Saturday because it's a really good card with a couple of very good stakes races, including the Jim Dandy, which is, of course, the local prep for the Travers. Well, let's get right into that Saturday card. Then uh, we were actually having some of that East Coast weather out here today in Southern California. It was like hot rain. We've had a couple cancellations at Saratoga so far. There was one because of heat, which was a smart thing to do that day. It was just incredibly hot out there. And now we've had one where they have to cancel the, the really the second half of the card because of the rain. Hopefully we can uh, have good weather this weekend, Andrew, because that late pick four and really the ninth, 10th, 11th graded stakes races, all three in a row, that's going to be a nice little end of the, the card. So let's start with the Vanderbilt. If we're talking about the best horses in training right now and horses who have had the best 2019, even back in the you know middle of 2018, that list has to start. And or you can't go far without mentioning Matoli. Yeah, Matoli is even money for the AG Vanderbilt, and for good reason. He's reeled off seven straight victories. He comes in off of two straight grade one scores at seven furlongs and a mile. He cuts back to six furlongs, and on paper, he looks very imposing. The one problem in the AG Vanderbilt is the rail draw. That's not necessarily a disqualifier, and obviously Matoli has a lot of early speed. But if you look to his outside strike power is going to go and imperial hint is going to go and that could very well make things interesting for ricardo santana jr if matoli doesn't break on his toes does he sit back and potentially wait for room or does he get hustled up along the rail there's a lot of speed in this race and while matoli is a very likely winner there's another in here that i think you need to consider and that's number four forensi fire who was last seen running fifth in the met mile I think a mile is a little bit further than he wants to go. His races at six furlongs to me just seem better than his races at a mile. And I think Forenzi Fire could very well get an ideal setup with a lot of speed signed on. If they go 21 and change to the quarter, 44 flat to the half, which is very possible when you look at the horses that are signed on, I think Forenzi Fire could very well pick up the pieces and maybe shake up that late pick four. You, you make a good point, Andrew, because while Matoli is very good, there are a couple of horses to his outside that are no slouch. In fact, the three lined up right to the outside of him. Strike Power is very quick. He lost to a nice horse named Catalina Cruiser. You know, Strike Power was a horse who was super impressive winning the Swale, and he was actually really impressive finishing second in the Fountain of Youth, and then he kind of tailed off a little bit last year. Imperial Hint was a top two to three sprinter over the last two years, you know, and then Frenzy Fire, he's capable on his big days. I think the, the key point that you made, and it was the, really this ca- the case with Frenzy Fire since he was a two-year-old also, he has the ability to kind of loom up and then he flattens out a little bit, anything over like a mile or once we start getting into two-turn territory. And he just has so much more late punch 
going six or seven furlongs. And to me, I'm right there with you. I hope he's. I hope you're right. I have Frenzy Fire in the the fantasy horse racing league that you and I play in. But I, I do think he gets a really <laughs> good, really good setup in here uh, in here today. Mike, do you have any uh, any thoughts on the Vanderbilt? Yeah, I mean. I mean, I think uh, Champagne kind of laid it out pretty well. I, too, uh, am intrigued by Frenzy Fire. It seems like this is, uh, you know, services year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably the exacta right there in my book is Matoli and Frenzy Fire. So don't have any more commentary aside from that. Wouldn't be a a very juicy exacta, but um, maybe play it one way. Let's jump into the 10th, which is the Bowling Green. And of the... The late and the, the late graded stakes races. This one, it feels like you can go in many different directions, Andrew. We don't really have any of the like top top tier Chad Brown horses, which <laughs> makes this a little bit more fun, maybe from a betting perspective. See, with this race, I actually think Chad Brown has the most likely winner, though for reasons that I don't think anyone in America wants to talk about. The American turf horses this year are slow. They're just slower. It's a bad year. With that in mind, I'm going to take a little bit of a shot with number three, Yaprimo, who is eight to one on the morning line. I think that comes down. I think he'll most likely go off at about nine to two, maybe five to one, given the connections. This is a horse that comes in from Chile, having won three races in a row earlier this year. I understand that Chile is by no means a racing hotbed, but this is a horse that established himself as probably the best horse in the country. He comes up, goes to Chad Brown's barn, gets Lasix for the first time, and comes up against a field that to me is no great shakes. I respect number five channel maker. He's certainly very logical and he'll be on my tickets, but from a straight win bet perspective, I really hope we get the morning line price on you, Primo, because I think he's got a big, big shot. Yeah, there's nobody in this race that you love. And, and you see with, with most of these distance turf horses in the U.S. and in North America right now, we see running in, in a lot of their big races, there's not a lot of consistency. Especially, We just don't see like really good horses. And I, this is prime for a horse to kind of come in out of nowhere and steal this race because you you can make, you know, you can make slight cases for everyone for some of their trips where they've had bad trips. But a lot of them, Andrew, on paper, a lot of them look the same, don't they? They just all kind of look the same on paper. That's why I like what you're doing here is just taking a swing. And even if you get, you know, five, four, yeah, like you said, half, I wouldn't be shocked. If you could get anywhere between four and eight, that would be great. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned that these horses sort of look the same. Turf has a tendency to sort of bunch horses together. That's just the general nature of turf racing and specifically the way turf races are ridden nowadays by more riders than not. But having said that, I'm going to take a shot with the Chilean Invader. Hopefully we get a little bit of a price. And I know we're coming up on a little bit of a time rush here, so I'm not going to go too much further in depth in the bowling green since we've got the Jim Dandy coming up as race 11. Cool, let's get into uh, the gym. Andrew, Danny. I'm going to piggyback off that really fast, and I'm just going to do an all-Chad Brown exacta box with the three runners. And as a trifecta, I'm going to go ahead and throw in Zulu Alpha, the number eight horse. That's a four-horse box, 3, 8, 11, 12. For the sake of time, I'm not going to give a lot of reasons, but can't go wrong with Chad Brown anyways, right? There, let's sure. move into yeah i was gonna say you're gonna be cashing lots of tickets that way let's go to race number 11 uh, at saratoga and this is the jim dandy this is the one with the three-year-olds and 
some names that we know now, Andrew. We have, uh, I think in particular, the two that people will be most focused in on are Tacitus and War of Will. War of Will, the Preakness winner, who we know from the Kentucky Derby drama. War of Will is the third choice on the morning line, and I really hope he's the third choice at the wagering board come post time because I think we're going to get a bit of an inflated price off of the grade one Belmont, which was his sixth race of the year. Horses aren't bred to run six times in a half year anymore. I just think he was a tired horse that needed a rest. He gets a rest here, and if he's back to the Preakness form, I think he is the horse to beat. It's a six-horse field, so we're not going to get a huge price, but I'd be very happy with 5-2. to two. I do respect Tacitus, was a very good second in the Belmont, has one going a mile and an eighth before. He's certainly logical. The wild card here, and what I think this race revolves around, is does Global Campaign want to go two turns? If he wants to go two turns, there's potential for him to make a big leap in this spot. If he doesn't want to go two turns and is more of a one-turn mile type, which I personally think he might be, then he goes early and potentially livens things up for a closer to clunk up and run second or third at a nice price. But for me, it's 6-5. Hey, if you want to laugh your way to the bank at the graveyard of favorites, the number one laughing fox. I see what Asmussen just did? See what Asmussen just did? Uh, I see what you the did there. Crown race north of the border? I, I, I wouldn't mind that one. It's another one in the uh, the fight on Gino Fantasy Horse Racing oh, Stables nice. that I just, right. that I just <laughs> picked up, Laughing Fox. So, hey, yeah, I'll both take be some, laughing all the way. I'll take some points there. I think more, like, I would like a bigger field. See, I would be more likely to play Laughing Fox in the Travers in a bigger field where Agreed. I think he have a little more distance and a little more pace to run axe. I think he's the type of horse who can run all day. Um, so I would maybe play him more under the small field as I think – and Andrew mentioned the real key to the race. Okay, is it going to be, is tax going? Is Global Campaign going to go? If they just kind of sit one, two, lope around, War of Will could sit right behind them. How far does Global Campaign want to go? And I think War of Will might just take over right there and then have to hold off a horse like Tacitus in a small field. So, um, Andrew, I think, unfortunately for you, uh, in the races that we discussed, it seems like we're we're pretty much in uh, in harmony. So, Let's 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 hope that things change for the way it's been for me for the, the last few weeks. How have your how has your handicapping been? And um, what so what is it like? We have just about a minute or two left before we say bye to you. When do you have to get your picks in normally? Like what's your uh, what's your day to day like over there doing the uh, the everyday selections? Well, I work a day in advance. So Wednesday stuff is up online on my site on Monday night. Thursdays is up on Tuesday night, etc. I also, the night before each day, do an analysis of the late pick five for Horse Racing Nation. I'm having a great time doing that. It's a lot of fun, and Saratoga's always a lot of fun. I grew up going there. I'm actually going back for a couple of days in late August, early September. It's, uh, it's a really special place, and it's something where I really value the contributions that I'm able to make. Hopefully, I'm able to make some people some money. I'm second in the pink sheet right now. Liam Durbin is off to a tremendous start, and it's going to be a lot of fun trying to reel him in. We'll, we'll be following you Good on stuff. Twitter, Andrew Champagne, and andrewchampagne.com for all the racing stuff. Thank you very much, buddy. Have a nice weekend. Really Thanks, appreciate Andrew. you having me on, guys. Take care. Good stuff with Andrew Champagne, like always. Gino, like you said, we have about uh, less than a minute now at this point. Just want to give a quick score update. The Boston Red Sox jumped all over the Yankees in the first with a seven-run explosion. The entire order batted around. They got back to Mookie Betts, who's two for two in this game, seeing his batting average starting to creep up. 
We didn't get much of a chance to talk about some of the uh, buyers and sellers from the NL West. You got to suspect that the Dodgers maybe make that one move like you were talking about, G. But the Giants, it's all about the Giants right now. What are they going to do? If I'm them, I hate to say it, especially for these young guys that have done really well, like Yastrzemski and, you know, bringing Pilar over from the Blue Jays. But you got to get into sell mode because Mad Bomb ain't what he used to be. So even if they get there, how much noise are they going to make, right? That'll be it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.